Hi, and welcome to this week's edition of the Ocean View Podcast. No matter where you're at in our country or around the world, we thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Now sit back and enjoy this week's message. Well, a warm greeting from me to you, whether you're here on the floor or in the balcony, or many of you who are stuck at home, because here in Myrtle Beach, we're getting hit with a a wonderful, wonderful little storm like the East Coast, but I'm excited for all of us to be able to join together, to be able to worship, and to be able to sing praises to the God who gives us all, but also today as we continue this series called A Better Way. Now, we've been talking the last couple weeks, right, about what it means to, to live a life that is a better way, a better way maybe of treating one another another as husband and wife, as father-daughter, as mother-son, as brother-sister, maybe there's a better way for us to rebuild some of the walls that have been broken down between us. And last week, if you were here, we looked at through the eyes of Ezra, and we learned a thing or two about what it means to restore our hearts. Do you remember that? And we talked specifically about a restoration that we all need to walk through and to be able to grow in our relationship with God. And I'm, I'm very, very, very excited today because today is very practical. Um, I have um, taught as we move into the book of Nehemiah, for those that are new, we kind of said we're going to go through Ezra and Nehemiah. And today we're going to start with the book of Nehemiah. But I have never taught this passage this way before. I have read this countless times. I have taught on the book of Nehemiah countless times, but I have always flown by this one chapter to be able to get in my mind to the good stuff. But I miss so much, and I'm so excited to be able to share the beginning parts of this, because if you're sitting in here today, and maybe, maybe, maybe you're not going through a life-altering event. Maybe, though, maybe your marriage is not where it needs to be. Maybe you'd say, you know, we're good, but you know what? I remember a time where we felt more connected. I remember a time where our communication was better. I remember when I wasn't as short. Maybe I treasured and valued you a little bit more. So maybe what you're saying is, you know, Terry, the truth is, is there, there has been some walls um, that have been broken between us. You know, they've been built up and they've been broken and, and we got some work to do. And maybe you're here and you're a parent and you have a broken wall between you and your child. And maybe there's something, a difficulty that you're going through that you need to repair or you're sensing something different. Or maybe you are going through life change and maybe there is a difficulty that you're walking through and you say, you know, Terry, I... I I need a word from God today. Well, I'm excited because no matter what level you're on, there is a better way, and there is a life-altering way that I'm going to give you today because that's what God really gave to me this week, that Nehemiah displays for all of us. When we enter into those seasons, whether small or large, there is an action step, a better way for a follower of Jesus to follow and to make sure we have it in our tool belts to make sure that we follow. And so in order to do that, we're going to pick up the book of Nehemiah. Now, let me give you some context here. Nehemiah is scattered from Jerusalem. He was exiled when Nebuchadnezzar took over. All the Israelites were scattered. And so Nehemiah finds himself as cupbearer to a king, not a king that follows Jesus or follows God. And so here he is. He's in the laps of luxury. By the way, it's good to be the cupbearer. If you're the cupbearer, you're living in the palace. If you're the cupbearer, um, you know, other than death, if someone poisons the wine, you pretty much food and drink and you're just hanging out with the king. So it's not a bad life, so to speak. So Nehemiah is here, laps of luxury, and all of a sudden he's going to get word because for almost 150 years, 
The walls of Jerusalem have been collapsed. Now, you might say, well, Terry, what's the big deal? The problem with that, though, in during this season and this time is, is that there is no, if there are no walls protecting the temple or protecting the people, you live in constant fear. How many of you have gone through a season where you wake up four months later and you go, you know what? These last four months have been a blur because I've been so preoccupied with this sickness, with this battle, with my work, with my job. So you can imagine the people of God are in Jerusalem. They cannot focus on worshiping God. They cannot focus on their relationship with God because every night they're worried they're going to get killed. So word is going to come to Nehemiah, and we're going to learn from Nehemiah what he does in order to respond. Let's pick it up. Nehemiah chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. Here we go. It says, they said to me, Nehemiah is talking, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. Nehemiah says, when I heard these things, I sat down and I wept. For some days I mourned and I fasted. And then I prayed before the God of heaven. Now I want you to notice First thing off the bat, when difficult seasons arise, when a difficult word comes to you from a doctor, when frustration builds between parent, child, husband, wife, whatever it is, when those seasons come, we can learn a thing or two from Nehemiah. And the first thing he did was he recognized where he was at. You might take this word, and this might be your word, and you can sleep for 25 minutes. Because how many of us, we go day after day after day, and a wall is being broken between me and a spouse, or me and a child, and I don't even realize it? How many of you have something going on in your life, and because you're so busy, work has consumed you, too much is going on, that you wake up three months later, and you don't even know who the person next to you is anymore? And the first thing that Nehemiah does is he pauses, he stops, and he mourns the reality of where he's at. And so for some of us, we need to pause right now and we need to say, God, where am I right now in my relationship with you, my relationship with my spouse, relationship with someone else? Where am I? And we need to recognize. But do you notice the second thing that he does? He mourned, he fasted, and then what he did? He prayed. He prayed. And so when difficult seasons come, when we feel alone, when we feel conflicted, what do we do? And so I'm a practical person, so if you're a note taker, you want to take these notes. If you have the app, it's in the app. But in Nehemiah's prayer, and that's what he's going to do, he's going to start praying to God. There are five benefits that you and I can glean when we open our mouths and when we talk to God. I think part of the reason why so many people don't pray is, A, they feel guilty and convicted before God, and they're like, God's not going to listen to me, which is not true. Or B, you don't recognize the benefit and the value of prayer. You say, oh, I'll just go to God when it gets really tough. Do you realize every time that you avoid prayer, you miss on the benefits of God? And so if you're a person where it says, well, Terry, if there's skin in the game here, you know, what do I get out of this? Okay, fine. I will give you. There are five benefits that all of us glean when we begin to pray to our Heavenly Father. So if you're a note taker, here it goes. The five benefits of prayers. Here's the first one. Prayer makes us wait. Now, right off the bat, some of you are like, Terry, that's not a benefit. I don't like waiting. Are you kidding me? I went to Disney World and waited two hours for a ride. What a ripoff that was. Some of you feel that way. But let me remind you of something that I've said several times here at this church. The only thing worse than waiting on God is wishing you had waited on God. And so sometimes waiting on God is not a bad thing. How many of us husbands, when we're in the midst of a difficulty or a difference of opinion with our spouses, we wish we waited on God? 
instead of taking our big 12-inch foot and sticking it in our mouths? How many of us had a life-altering event happen because we reacted and we didn't pause and we didn't think? And so sometimes prayer allows us the opportunity to wait on God. Let's learn this from Nehemiah. Let's look at his prayer. Take a look at this. Nehemiah says in verse 5, Then I, Nehemiah, said in his prayer, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive. Now let's pause there. I've never stopped on this before. Let your ear be attentive. Now, I gotta be honest, when I read that, I'm like, Nehemiah, do you know who you're talking to? You're talking to God. He's the creator of the universe. Are you basically saying that God is hard of hearing? No, he's not. Are you saying that God's not paying attention? No, he's the God of the universe. He knows all. So, Nehemiah, you're insulting God. No, he's not. Commentaries will tell you when you look into the heart of Nehemiah as he's saying that prayer, he is saying something really, really specific. It's as if Nehemiah is saying, God, you are the only one that I can come to right now, and right now I'm coming to you because you are the creator of the universe. And so, God, right now, I have a burden and a weight on my shoulder, and I want to give it to you because you know all. You see all. And so let your ear be attentive because I want to give you this burden that I'm carrying upon me and I need you and only you to take it. Let me illustrate this another way. I meet with a gentleman from our church. Last year he texted me and said, hey Terry, I want to learn the Bible more. And I said, buddy, I love you. Why don't we meet for breakfast on a continuous basis? So last year, all through the year, we would meet. He would read the Bible. I would sit with him and he would ask questions and I would do my best to be able to kind of articulate and to share what was going on. About seven months into the breakfasts, the the pattern went, we find out how, what's going on in our lives, and then usually he asks questions, I pour into him. All of a sudden, I had an observation that happened in my life where I saw something, and I was conflicted on how to respond. And you know who the person that I needed to be able to share with that had more expertise in it than me was my friend. And so I went to breakfast, I sat across from him, I said, hey bud, let me just tell you something. Right now, I wanna ask a favor. Right now, I need for you to be attentive to me. I, I know that usually you ask a lot of questions, but can I hijack this meeting? And do you mind if I share something with you because I really need to be able to lay this at your feet? Do you see what happened there? I was unsteadied. I was frustrated. I didn't know what to do. And I went to my friend, and when I laid it at his feet, and when he sat and he listened intently to me, it was as if a burden and a weight came off on of my shoulders. It was as if I took this and I didn't know what to do with it, but I do know the person who might have an answer for me and I took it off and I blot all over him and then I gave it to him and I was like, oh, I feel a lot better. He didn't even answer me, but I felt a lot better. How many of us, we just need to get something off of our chest and we've been carrying it so long we don't know what to do with it? That's where we follow Nehemiah's prayer. God, let your ear be attentive. God, I need, I need to get this off of me. God, I'm carrying it. I'm scared. And so, God, I'm coming to you. And so let your ear be attentive. Do you know what really is happening in that moment? During difficult challenges in those moments, prayer releases the grip of ownership. Whatever you are owning right now, whatever guilt, whatever fear, whatever anxiety, whatever misery you've been holding on to, 
If you want to get rid of it, then your prayer tonight is, God, let your ear be attentive. I release this to you, and I'm waiting on you. I'm giving you ownership so I don't have it anymore, and I'm going to sit, and I'm going to wait, and I'm going to let you talk, and I'm no longer going to own it. It's going to be on you. Praise God, that might be your word for today. And if you're at home, that might be the word you need, and you just need to stop right now, turn me off, and you need to start talking to God, whatever it is. So the first benefit of prayer is, is that we learn to wait on God, who is the one who can handle our burdens. Here's a second one. Prayer gives us vision. Let's take a look at this prayer. Nehemiah says, let your ears be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. Now, I love this because if you're not a follower of Jesus, listen up, because here's what we do as Christians. We begin reading, if those of us that read, we start reading, and we say, all right, let your ears be attentive, okay, yeah, 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 and let your eyes be open to hear the prayer, okay, blah, 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 pause. Did you just see what Nehemiah said? It doesn't make sense, does it? Did you catch that? Some of you are like, what are you talking about? Look at it. Let your eyes be open to hear the prayer. What does that mean? How can I hear a prayer? Well, let me tell you how. I saw this principle years ago, 15 years ago in my last church. So let me share this with you. 15 years ago, there was a family at our church, um, awesome family. And they got a word from God when they were younger and they were gonna have a big family. And so, to be honest, I don't even know how many kids they had. I believe it was 11 or 12 total children. Some of you right now are like, dear Jesus, we need to pray right now. (laughs) But they were a family that they just, they they knew how to have a big family. I mean, it was marvelous. Um, You know, truth be told, it it was amazing. They uh, They would have one in the preschool area, one in the elementary, one in the middle school, one in the high school, and then they would have several adults. And so, we were always worried as a staff that if, if the Wheeler family was like kept at home, we knew that we'd lose half our volunteer base. I'm just saying. But they were an incredible family until one night, they are an incredible family, but one night changed the trajectory of their family. Long story short, dad got into a car and was backing out of the driveway and accidentally backed over the three-year-old, Jolie. It's not his fault. He thought he, she was supposed to be somewhere else, so he looked back, didn't see anything, and accidentally ran over his child. You can imagine taking the child to the hospital. I got called to go to the house to be with the kids, and I remember when, at about one in the morning, mom and dad came with our lead pastor to the house, and Jolie had passed. I want to tell you, I will never forget that evening. I will never forget the screaming. I will never forget the wailing. I will never forget the tears. I will never forget looking at children trying to make sense of an adult world. And after about an hour, because what do you say? I say this all the time. There's nothing you can say in those moments. There's nothing that's going to make anybody feel better. And that's where we as pastors sometimes make big mistakes because we come in and we try to fix it and we try to tell them the words of God that is supposed to make them feel better. I'm going to tell you something right now. If I lose my child... Don't come at me with scripture. Let me wail. Let me scream. Let me emote. I don't want you to fix me in the moment. I don't want to hear anything good because I'm angry, I'm upset, and I just need time. And that's what that family needed. And after about an hour of exhaustion, I'll never forget what my pastor said. He said, I think we need to pray. 
And we all gathered and he prayed. And in his prayer, he said this, God, we need your eyes. God, we need your eyes. And that's what Nehemiah was asking. God, let your eyes hear my prayer. Well, Terry, what does that mean? Prayer allows us to see through the eyes of God. It means God, give me your eyes because you have a plan for my life. You can take ashes and you can make them beautiful once again. You can restore the heart of your broken kids right now because we don't know what to do. We don't know if there's a future. We don't know how we're gonna move forward, but God, you're the only one who does, and so God, none of us can see it, so God, give us your eyes. We need your eyes to be able to see. And so some of you in this room, the benefit of prayer that you need to know right now is if you can't see hope, if you're at the end of your rope, you need to stop, you need to get on your knees and you need to say, God, give me your eyes because I need to see hope once again. Now I will tell you something, and I'm always guilty of sharing a story and not finishing it. (laughs) That family now has a farm in Tennessee and that family is united, that family is strong, we dedicated a playground in Jolie's honor at our former church. And over 90% of families break apart when something like that happens. And God provided a miracle and maintained that family. And he gave them his eyes. And so prayer gives us the eyes of God. Here's a third thing that prayer does. Prayer quiets our Heart. Take a look at what Nehemiah does. Nehemiah, in the midst of his prayer, notice how he pivots. And this is beautiful. If you're a Bible study student, you need to parse out his emotions as he prays. So first, he, he goes ahead and praises God. Then he says, God, I need your eyes and I need your ears because I got a burden on me and I need to see hope. But then, watch what he does. He pivots to the next thing and he says, God, I got to confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. God, I've done wrong. God, so what is Nehemiah doing? He's opening his heart and he's saying, God, God, here's my heart. God, see in me. You already know it, but I'm just going to confess it. So he confesses. Then he says, we have acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws you gave your servant Moses. God, I'm sitting in the laps of luxury. God, I am living in the midst of a different culture, and I don't care about my people. God, that's not right of me. The walls have been broken down for 150 years, and I could have cared less. God, that's not right. I should be back at the temple. I should be offering sacrifices because that's my relationship with you. And God, I'm sitting in a foreign land under a foreign king. God, it's not right. So God, forgive me. Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. Now watch. If you read the word of God, there's a three-letter word that I love because it's a transitional word. And it causes a sharp turn. And that three-letter word is but. And Nehemiah then says, but. God, you have said, if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. Prayer quiets your heart. Do you want to know why? When you empty your heart, when you pour those burdens, when you are honest with God, then you also have the ability in the moment to remember the truths of God. 
Because in that moment, all Nehemiah did is, what has God promised me? God promised he will call me back. God promised he will restore me. There are many people who come who struggle with fear and anxiety, and they come into the office and they said, I just, I just can't cope. I'm just really having a difficult time. And, and, the, and the constant thing that I have said to them before is, is that fear and anxiety, those are emotions and those are real. And so, by the way, if you ever look at someone who's struggling with fear and anxiety, don't ever tell them that their emotions are not valid or not real. You, you might not think, but they're struggling. So they're valid, they're real. However, feelings are different than truth. If you remember that series we did a couple months ago, we see you. You need to go back to that and you need to watch that because our feelings and logic will betray us at times. And so individuals who are sitting there, God, I I just don't know, and our hearts, I'm fearful, I'm anxious, then all of a sudden the answer to that is you need to go to truth. And that's what Nehemiah did. God, I have sinned. God, I confess. God, I've been terrible. But let me quiet my heart because God, here's the truth. You promised that you're going to restore me. You promised you're going to return me back to the area that we are. We are going to be a family. We are going to be okay. And so here's what prayer does. Prayer wrestles the worry away and pivots the heart to peace. You want the peace that transcends all understanding? Then you need to take that worry and that anxiety and you need to match it with the truths of God. Why are you fearful? Well, I'm fearful because I don't know if I'm gonna make it through the day. Wait a minute, what does God say? What do we read in the letter to the church at Philippi? I can do all things through Christ who give me strength. It's not I can do some things, it's I can do all things. And so if I'm fearful that I'm not going to make it through the day, that is not truth. That's my emotions and my feelings betraying me. And so the truth of the matter is I can withstand. I can make it second by second. And so when we take the truths of God and we match them, it wrestles the worry away from us and pivots our hearts and quiets our hearts to peace. What a beautiful aspect of prayer. There's a fourth aspect. Prayer strengthens our resolve. See Nehemiah's prayer. He continues and he says this. They, meaning the Israelites that are brought back, they are your servants and your people whom you redeem by your what? Your great strength and your mighty hand. And I love that because I can see myself. If I was Nehemiah, it would not be good. I'm just gonna tell you. I'd be a terrible Israelite. I'm just telling you. Because I'd be sitting there and he'd be like, i I'm, you, you want to restore me back to Jerusalem? There's no walls. There's no house. I can't watch the Cubs games. I mean, come on, really. That was a joke, by the way. I'm just teasing you. Wake up. See, you don't laugh. It means you're sleeping. All right. But here's the truth. Sometimes we know what we should do. Don't miss this. This is where you lean in. Sometimes through prayer, we know the action step we're supposed to take. However, what we do is we say, there's no way that I can do that. And in that moment, we need to remember it is not by my strength, my power, my wisdom. It is by the power and the strength of God that I can take this step of faith. Let me illustrate this. Years ago, probably about three or four years ago, I was invited to speak at a conference. I had spoken there for 12 years. And that time, I had four breakouts, four talks that I was to give. Now, the audience for those talks can range from 100 people all the way to 2,000 people, depending on the audience. And so, and I've done either of those. And so I looked at my talks and I had four talks, three preps. If you're a teacher in the the room, can I hear an amen? It's three teachers, okay. Which means I had three contents to create and one of those contents I would duplicate twice. So four talks, three contents. So I looked at my schedule, I had two on Thursday, or two on Wednesday, two on Thursday. 
So I went ahead on Wednesday and I got in there and I went to the green room where we prepare and then I went ahead and I prepped for my talk and then I, I went in, gave my talk and I came back and all of a sudden the leader of the conference, one of my friends, he came up to me and said, Terry, we have a problem. And I said, what, what's the problem? And he said, we had a person that was flying in and their flight got canceled and they're not gonna make it. And so today, mind you, I already did my first talk. Today, after your second talk, there was another breakout that he was supposed to do. He's not going to make it. And the only person we thought that could do it would be you. And I said, I didn't panic. I said, okay. I said, what's the talk? Because I thought, well, maybe it's a talk that I've already done. Or maybe in my past I've already done this. Maybe I could just tweak it. Not a problem. He opened up. I don't remember what the talk was. I just remember that whatever it was, I had never talked about this subject in my life. I didn't even know where to begin. And I'm looking at him saying, I've never taught on this. Are you sure you want me? And I just mean that humbly. I, I just don't know if I can add value to this. Are, are you sure? And they said, Terry, if we throw it at anybody else, we, we're just, we, we just trust you. Can you do it? So unwisely, very dumb on my part, I said, sure. That moment, I then he left and I realized if I'm, I only have an hour between now and my next talk because that talk is right after that talk. I don't have time to write it, to prep it. I have one hour. So then I paused and I grabbed someone else and I said, hey, because I thought, okay, how bad can it be? I'll just make a fool out of myself in front of 100 people, not a problem. Hey, how many people are coming to that talk? Oh, that's one of our largest, 1,800. Now imagine being in my shoes. You got 1,800 people coming to hear an expert talk about something. I had not even written it. I don't even know what I'm talking about. But do you know who knows yesterday, today, and tomorrow? God. Do you know who knew that this was going to happen? God. Do you know who's not surprised by the canceled flight? God. Do you know God's not surprised that they asked me to do it? I was hoping he would say, no, I am. But no, God knew. And so for an hour, I just said, God, speak. Because God, I don't know what I'm doing. Now, I will tell you, I don't remember what I said. I wrote it, I, I chicken scratched it on paper. That's one of my notes. And I went out there, and here's the truth though. Out of hundreds of breakouts, it was one of the highest rated breakouts at the conference. Because you know why? Because it wasn't Terry. It was God. Because I didn't know what I was talking about. But God did. And here's what happens. When you realize that prayer strengthens your resolve. When you realize it's not me, it's him, I can do this because it's him, then here's what happens. Prayer activates your faith. You wanna activate your faith? Pray, listen to God, and when God says you need to do this, don't question it, don't second guess it, don't say you don't know who you're talking to, God. You look and say, by your hand, because it's by your strength. Because guess what? That's what Nehemiah did. Nehemiah sat there and said, I'm about to make a major step of faith, and the reason why I can is because of your strength and your power, I can do this. And that's something we all need. So prayer activates our faith. We close, finishing up with Nehemiah. Nehemiah says, then Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this, your servant, and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give me, your servant, success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. Pause right there. 
So Nehemiah says, God, have your way. Now don't miss this. Man, if we could all pray like this. The last sentence of this prayer is such an anthem to our lives because Nehemiah walks through every benefit that God gives him and then it's time to motor. It's time to do something. And do you know what he says at the end of his prayer? He says this, and God, I was cupbearer to the king. Do you understand what that means? He had already in his prayer said, I am giving up my current way of life and I am going to do what God calls me to do and I'm not looking back. I'm gonna sacrifice the luxury of today for the promise of tomorrow. I don't care what stands in my way. You are powerful and by your strength, I'm going to move forward because here's what happens. We have a lot of Christians who are stuck. We have a lot of Christians who don't move. I've said it before, I'll say it again. You are either moving forward or backward. You're either moving forward or you're moving backward. There is no such word as limbo in the Christian faith. There is no such word for you military-minded as no man's land in the Christian faith. You are either taking a step forward or you're fooling yourself to think, well, I'm just going to hang out here for a while. No, if you're hanging out and if you're just sitting there going, well, you know, I just don't know, I'm not going to move, you're moving backward, whether you know it or not. And what prayer will do is prayer will propel you forward in your faith. Now I'm done really quick, and I have a question to ask you. Tonight when you go, or today, sitting in the parking lot in your car, when you engage God in prayer, maybe for the first time in a long time, what is your priority prayer? What are you focused on? Is it anger, animosity? Do you need to bear your heart and quiet your heart and say, God, I'm just gonna admit, I'm just mad, I'm just angry? Maybe you need to do like Nehemiah, maybe you need to confess, and maybe you need to ask for forgiveness. So confession, forgiveness. Maybe you need direction, or you have a decision that you need to make. Maybe you need help, and you need healing. And maybe you're at a place which is a great place to be, by the way, where you don't even know what to pray, but you know you need to pray. Let me say that again. Maybe you're at a place where you don't know what to pray, but you know you need to pray. And if that's you, that's where you need to call a brother or a sister, and you say, you know what? I'm gonna ask for you to intercede on my behalf. And God, when I pray to you, I pray because you know what I should pray. And so God, let your prayer be my prayer because I don't even know what to pray. Does that make sense? Isn't it amazing we have a God where we don't even have to know what we need and we could just turn to him and say, God, whatever it is, God, I don't even know what it is, but I just ask for you to let your ear be attentive and let your eyes hear my prayer. How powerful. So today, what's your priority prayer? And will you take a step forward in your faith? Would you pray with me? God, thank you so much. Oh, Lord, this message is powerful for my life. I can't speak for anybody else on this floor or watching online, but God, for me, oh, thank you. Thank you, thank you for revealing to me the process that Nehemiah went through. And God, I pray that we would all spend time praying the prayer of Nehemiah. So Father, right now, I pray for my brothers and sisters, and I ask, God, that as you meet with them, 
I just pray that they would be self-aware to know exactly where they stand with you. And so God, speak. Allow them, Father, to hear the words of God. Allow them to have the eyes of God, to see your vision. And God, I pray that they would know they had the strength, whatever it is and whatever you call them to, to take a step of faith. God, we love you today and we bless you. In your precious name we pray.